This Kendra is where they make their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. Look out! A very warm welcome to the Match Preview Podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Aubin. A little later on during the podcast, we'll be joined by the Austin FC manager, Josh Wolf. Really, really looking forward to that conversation. But first, Kendra, we've got plenty to unpack before we talk about Austin FC and the United States men's national team. Let's focus on the disappointment, shall we, of last Sunday for Minnesota United. Falling to Colorado Rapids on what perhaps was the most demoralizing day since we've opened Allianz Field? I think, honestly, Calvo is the best way to put it. Just extremely demoralizing. And one of those moments, and I think we were showing some shots around the stadium, our, our fabulous production crew, you know, and there was, like, dead silence. You know, Ja'Cory with his hands in his face and his, in his, you know, his head in his hands. And you could just feel the disappointment. And I said, I, you know, I think it's the first time I've ever seen people leave Allianz Field early. Ever. And I think that's why it just truly felt like a punch in the gut. I mean, I, I didn't even know how to put it in words because in the moment it was hard to summarize from a tactical standpoint, what went wrong. Cause I was so wrapped up in the emotion of what, what, what went wrong um, that it was just, it was hard to put a finger on it. It was different losing at Colorado when you're up to nothing and you lose three to two. I mean, that was demoralizing, but doing it at home and a man up, it felt like there couldn't be a much worse loss. But I also understand in, in talking to the players this week is, you, you know, you can only dwell on it for a moment and you watch the film the next day and then you've got to move on from that. You, you learn from it and you go into the next game with a, a fight and an energy, but you, you have to move on from it. You cannot dwell on that moment. You remember the feeling, but you can't dwell on it for too long. Do you feel the same? Yeah, it, it was psychologically, it was very difficult. Uh, as you mentioned, I don't think I ever have seen people head for the exit doors at Allianz Field early. Um, it felt as though towards the end of the game, there was a massive shrug of the shoulders and people said and admitted, well, that's that then. We, we can't get into the, the playoffs and, and host a playoff game. Um, so now we have to focus everything on just simply being in the playoffs. And, and that is now, I think I, I might have said at some stage during the broadcast, because I felt this way. I felt at the start of the day, it felt like there was a real opportunity to set the pace. And, and, and now it simply feels like they have to keep the pace because the, the race for the playoffs is so tight. So you've, you've had now a couple of days to dissect it tactically. In your mind, what, what did go wrong on Sunday against Colorado? From, from a tactical point of view? Well, you know, in the moment I was thinking, you know, they need some fresh legs on there. I thought Fragapane seemed to start walking a little bit and, you know, understandably so in the amount of run that, running that had, he had been doing. But I don't know that the, the right decisions were made. And I'm not calling out, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I mean, we can all sit here and say, well, that didn't work or this didn't work. But that's sort of somewhat our job to take a look at it and go, what could have been done differently in those moments. And it, it kind of felt like maybe a Nico Hansen substitution was right, but maybe you leave on Audrey Nanu and Ethan Finley for their work rate and what they were doing up top. And they were still creating chances. And I think when you make the change of a Juan Aguadello and a Fernando Adi, you're sort of setting a different mindset. You keep Emmanuel Reynoso in there and he was fantastic once again and had some real close opportunities, um, you know, to, to finish some, some chances. And there were others that could have finished chances. We talked about the Audrey and the new opportunity. I think just before he was subbed off, we talked about Ethan Finley crossing the ball in instead of taking a shot himself and being a little more selfish in the second half. 
But ultimately, you know, it, it's hard to keep playing that possession style of combination play in and around the edge of the box when you put uh, a player, especially like Fernando Anian, who's sort of, you know, his, his specialty is getting on the end of service. And that's kind of, you know, what his, it's not just hold to play, but it's getting on the end of service. And so you're sort of asking for those long balls or those services in rather than the combination play and the through balls and the overlapping runs and the through runs that we saw most of the match. So from a tactical point and, and clearly their goals, I mean, transition moments, you know, maybe not quite right positionally defensively and, and being honest, uh, you know, the opposition keeping you honest. You have a Michael Barrios coming into the match. Who's playing the number nine and you still have pace in, in Jonathan Lewis, who's, you know, one of the more dangerous players going forward and cutting inside. And then you also have Pace on the opposite side, who I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, was it Mesquita? Mm-hmm. Who came in? Mesquita on the left-hand side. So again, Pace, Pace, Pace. It kind of felt like they were going to go for this game. And that's sort of Robin Frazier's mentality has been never say die attitude. And um, so defensively on the counter, maybe positionally in the back line and in the midfield, just didn't quite respect that enough in transition moments. DJ Taylor looked tired towards the end. We talked about his, you know, question mark from a match fitness standpoint. So there were a few question marks that when you go back and you watch the game, that of course hindsight is 2020. And in the moment it was tough for me to really totally embrace, uh, you know, what happened from a tactical standpoint. And then when you go back and watch it, of course it's easy to, to analyze and dissect it, but that's kind of what I saw when I went back and watched the game once again. Right, but what what about the the shape of both teams, Kendra? Like, what, why were Minnesota not set up in a way to deal with the five man backline that the Rapids had, had had done previously that week as well? Yeah, and I mean, I didn't have a problem with them dealing from an attacking perspective with the back line. To me, it was more about our back line and what kind of shape they were taking when Barrios comes on the pitch and they make that basically wholesale line change with some attacking pieces and, and you know, Corey, not Corey Baird, um, Bassett, Cole Bassett you know, comes on the pitch, another young player with pace who has clearly damaged Minnesota United in the past. We saw it in that Colorado game on the road with pace. They were basically set up in a 4-4-1 and they had their wingers and their pace and and ability to go forward. And I just wonder if Minnesota United defensively didn't stick to what they needed to do from a shape in in the Ozzy Alonso um, staying home in front of the back four and just kind of keeping that midline standpoint, that halfway line uh, of confrontation and being more um, in cue with dropping and sinking defensively between Brent Coleman and Baki Debassi to really counteract some of those numbers going forward. And, and even Chase Gasper, I think, got caught up on the left-hand side a few times when Jonathan Lewis was over there and cutting in across and being dangerous. And that's basically, if I remember correctly, the one that created the penalty when he cut inside and then Barrios got in the end of it and Tyler Miller comes off his line and catches Barrios's foot. Um, so for me, attacking-wise, I had no problem with how Minnesota was creating chances against their back line in their midfield. I thought Minnesota had the better of the play in possession in attacking moments, first half and second half, and they just didn't finish the chances. So I didn't have an issue with Minnesota's shape. I thought they actually dealt with it well. They just didn't finish some of the opportunities that you need to capitalize on, including in the first half, Ethan Finley goes near post on Yarbrough. I think it takes a deflection and then Yarbrough makes a foot save just little things like that, that, you know, we say goals change games and uh, Robin Frazier said, you know, goals change behavior. You just wonder if they would have gotten that second one earlier. Um, It just, you know, it just, uh, it just, the wheels fell off in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And again, I'll, I'll 
you've asked me to be opinionated, so I'll, yes. I'll, I'll be opinionated here. And, and look, for, for, <clears throat> for me, look, the, some of the issues here were, were obvious in terms of the back five. Um, it was obvious that the, the two um, wing-backs were, were tacking inside much more than Minnesota expected, in my opinion. There were several times when you saw Lucas Estevez picking the ball up almost in the centre of midfield, which, which to me meant it was difficult for Minnesota United to operate through the centre of midfield and, and, and go through the lines as they prefer to do and go through Reynoso. The amount of times Reynoso picked the ball up out wide because he had to pull himself out wide because he wasn't getting the ball in the centre of midfield. Um, this is also why I understand why Fernando Adi came on as well, because it gives you the, the, op the option to go direct. I don't think I would have taken off Unu. I thought Unu was having a decent game, but bringing on Adi, I understand again, and I understand his critics because at times he looks fairly robotic, at, at times he looks fairly limited. I understand the critics, but I understand in this situation why he was brought on because Minnesota were struggling to move the ball through the channels in midfield and, and move it through the gaps in midfield. So I understand that there was a need to go direct, particularly the later the game went on as well. So I, 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 I is it ideal? No, it's not, but... In that situation, uh, I I can see why. And then as soon as um, as soon as the red card came in, um, it actually and, and look, we've seen it's caused Minnesota problems in the past where they can't break down um, they can't break down uh, opposition when they go down to ten men because they really really do um, they, they they look to counter press they they look to box in as much as they can and that's exactly what Colorado Rapids did. Um, and when you look at the the changes that the Rapids made when, when they had um, Wilson sent off a little later into the game, they didn't have a centre-forward on the field. There was no centre-forward on the field. It was all midfielders because they were legitimately okay with being a four and a flat, not necessarily a flat five, but a five-man midfield with Barrios operating as a centre-ish forward, almost like a nine and a half, when they were pressing, when they needed to. Um, and I just thought that Colorado came into the game, you know, Let's go back to when they had 11 men. They came into the game and they were okay to sit back and that their plan was was the counter-press anyway. So them actually going down to 10 men didn't really change much for them at all, in my opinion. Um, what changed for them was, from a personnel point of view, they didn't have a, a natural centre-forward on the field and Barrios was, was acting as a forward, as he did in Seattle as well. Um, so this is something that the Rapids had, had been used to, something that they had perhaps had a conversation about during the week um, after they had lost uh, heavily to, to Seattle after going down to 10 men when Estevez was sent off. So um, I don't think much changed for them when, when they went down to 10 men. And I think Barrios is, is quick enough where he can lead the line um, in a counter-pressing moment. And uh, as you said, quite rightly, all three goals came from counter-pressing. Um, because the, the first one was the penalty, which um, Barrios was was taken down from. The second one, um, Minnesota have bodies piled forward, obviously trying to force the issue. They know they have to win. So uh, the ball comes in from the right-hand side and Barrios is able to peel off of the shoulder and score. And then the third one is is absolutely the epitome of, of counter-pressing. And Minnesota were absolutely left exposed because, again, they, they had to press, they had to expose themselves, they had to force the issue because they were looking for, at that time, an equalising goal. But what happened was, obviously, they were caught too many men up the field because they're looking for that goal, and Colorado took advantage of it big time and were able to, to make it three. So disappointing. Um, not what Minnesota United were looking for, but the key thing now, Kendra, is how they react moving forwards. And um, 
that'll be the, the making of the men, in my opinion, because I still think there's every opportunity for them to finish in the top seven. But things are now so incredibly tight, these next games. But we thought the games were important before, but these next games now um, are absolutely vital. So whilst we're talking about things that are vital, let's move away from Minnesota for the moment. We'll concentrate on Austin FC here shortly. But I want to get your thoughts on the United States men's national team. Victorious over Costa Rica. Um, I was driving at the time, so I didn't see the game. So I don't think it's fair for me to to majorly comment on it. I caught the game on the radio um, before I, I was able to watch the Mexico national team on, on television. But give me your thoughts, Kendra, on, on what you saw from the national team against Costa Rica. Well, I think it's it's a little disappointing to me in the sense that, you know, the the way they show have shown in their two home games compared to the game against Panama. And I understand that. I understand you want to get the points at home. I totally get that. And that's what you concentrate on. But ultimately, you have to find a way to at least put out a decent performance on the road. So even if we're going back to the Panama match, that to me was so incredibly deflating after what a performance against Jamaica with the high energy, with the, the young players and the runs coming up the side and the cutting inside and just being able to finish and just exciting opportunities. And you make the, all the changes and, and you have a different game against Panama on the road that completely just felt like it took the air out of the balloon. And then you go back and you, you play at home um, at lower.com field against, against Costa Rica. And you have a solid performance. Thank goodness they recovered from that early goal. I mean, my gosh, like when that goal, when that ball goes in, you're thinking you've got to be kidding me. Can this group recover? Zach Steffen to me was a big question mark. Not because I don't think he's a great goalkeeper, but what is that signal? I mean, one, one game, one result against Matt Turner. He's been pretty good, really good for them. I get it. Zach Steffen played at Columbus. But ultimately, I thought they got what they needed out of their players. And that was nine changes in that match. Actually, actually, it didn't end up being 10 because they took... Um, because they, Areola had to come out. Areola was a late scratch from warm-up. So it's technically 10 changes, including your goalkeeper. But a group that was used to playing together and comfortable playing together. So this wasn't wonky like the seven changes going on the road to Panama. Um, this was a group that had a fire in their belly. And I love, once again, the energy. I love what Musa brings. I thought that um, I thought that McKenney had a fantastic game. I mean, his balls that he was putting on a dime, switching the fields and changing the point of attack. Um, those are things that he needs to do, you know, going forward if he wants to, you know, do what he's supposed to do for this national team and be committed to the group. Um, I thought the back line was good. Richards was a little shaky to me. Understandable. It's his first start. You put him in in a big moment, probably should have been a penalty against the U.S. if they had VAR, which they don't. Um, so it probably all evens out in, in for the U.S. as far as, you know, getting robbed by penalties and, and getting penalties that should have been called against them. So the result they needed, a massive game against Mexico in November coming up. But you hope that everybody stays fit and healthy. Dest is phenomenal. I know he still makes some bonehead mistakes every once in a while and maybe dribbles a little too much, but that finish was ridiculous. So when you have pace on the outside like that, on both sides that you can get in and get behind and then also catch people when they go off the other direction, um, that's, that's exciting for the U.S. And I think the fans should be really excited about this group. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I thought uh, Dest's goal was lovely. Really, really took it well. I told um, you, I told you my husband lost his mind. I was like trying to cook dinner. The game's on in the background. And he just yells, our dog jumps. He's freaking out. You know, she's freaking out. Adeline, our daughter's like, what the hell? You know, but that's, that's what you want. That's the kind of excitement you want from those kind of finishes. 
Yeah, lovely, lovely girl. Not quite sure it, the, the build-up was as beautiful as people are suggesting. <laughs> it was a little bit helter-skelter, but that is essentially the soccer that Greg Berhalter has promised the United States fans moving forward. Anyway, right, we are running out of time. Uh, we've got Josh Wolf, the manager of Austin FC, waiting for us. We'll hear from him after the break. Minnesota United fans, save time every time when you use online check-in for a great haircut at Great Clips. Download our app or check in online at greatclips.com. Great Clips, it's going to be great. And a very warm welcome back to the Match Preview podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Orbin, very, very special guest joining us now. Kendra, the manager of Austin FC, Josh Wolf. Uh, Josh, I'm actually in your old stomping ground, Kansas City at the moment, but we don't need to talk nice. about that too much. But let's talk about Austin FC. Um, look, it, it's always difficult coming in as an expansion team. Given your record this year, do you perhaps feel a little unfortunate given your standings at the moment in the Western Conference, in a very competitive Western Conference this year? Um, yeah, I think I think along the year we, we could certainly look at games where we could have captured more points. Obviously, we've, we've had 11 or so one-goal games, so we've been quite competitive. We played very well in, in large portions of our matches this year and, and large portions of games, So, but it does come down to scoring goals, and, and Adrian says it quite often, goals change games, and that's it's, it's a very real uh, statement. And, you know, for a number of reasons, goals change games, but it also gives players confidence, gives teams confidence. It allows you to build momentum. So along the way, we've definitely left many points on the board and I can look at two games in Kansas city, you know, two games against Vancouver, you know, a giveaway against um, certainly San Jose where we're up three, one. So, you know, in, in a competitive nature that our league is when you, when you win games, when you score goals and you win games, it, it, it allows you to move up the table and, um, with six or seven more points, we would be in a much different position. So that's, you know, the, we are where we are and um, it's been difficult. We obviously played a lot without a striker, a true striker all year. And, and now we've made some additions, obviously late in the year, that's, you know, given us a little more balance and put some guys in proper spots. And we've, you know, created a number of goals, scored more goals. And, you know, along the way we've given up more, but it's part of the challenges as a new team an expansion team. I don't talk about that too much. That's not a narrative that I, that I, um, that I thirst or, or, or push, you know, we're a competitive team. We have players that have good experience experience in this league. Uh, we brought in a few internationals that have performed well. Some of them haven't, but that's part of our adaptation and certainly, um, you know, us learning who we are and, and, and obviously where we are in this season uh, with, with the group that we have. Well, speaking of that, Josh, I felt like, you know, you guys knew it was going to be a tough task to start the season, starting with all these games on the road and you were weathering that storm and it felt like maybe there was yeah. even a bit of a swagger about your group knowing, hey, we're going to go on the road and prove people wrong. And then once yeah. we get in our fabulous stadium we're mm -hmm. gonna be on fire here and maybe it didn't go exactly that way you started on uh, on a good note on the road but then getting in your stadium had some ups and downs what would you attribute to kind of how the season went started and then when you guys got in your home stadium yeah not scoring goals again i think that affects your morale i think that affects your ability to win games and then the margins are so are so are so thin at that point um the back line feels man we can't give up a goal and they're they're right we just you know our expected goals for has always been pretty good but the the actual realization of opportunities has been poor and some of that has to do with you know calm some of it has to do with maybe the person that that it's arriving to not making a good decision or or, or putting the ball away but then that certainly has an effect on their confidence and the group's confidence so um, yes, we went on the road the first eight games. We knew it was going to be challenging. We went 
we went into all those places and competed and, and certainly even dictated the game at times. And, you know, that's what I was proud about, our ability to, to implement an identity. Our style of play was is and was very clear. And again, we've generated many chances and we don't score goals and it affects the group. It affected everybody. And, um, you know, I think that took away from our ability, you know, at home, you're going to get the boost from the fans. You know, it's obviously dealing with the warm weather, but, you know, then there becomes schedule congestion, but, Again, the goals help change and influence the game. Again, the individual game, but the group's confidence, the morale of the group, the momentum that can be built. And and that became challenging. And you could see when the goals didn't come, um, it, it does take away, you know, the, the team confidence. And and that that certainly in the summer months was clear. And, you know, that was a challenging moment for us. We didn't have a striker. We lost both our strikers. Um, you know, we lost Ben Sweat the second game of the year to an ACL left back. And, and Yuli Segura was our, you know, our cover in the middle who wasn't able to get through preseason. So we had some challenges. And, you know, fortunately, we added some guys and it was later in the year. And again, I think those persons and those players have been quite impactful. One, because they're good players, they're high level players, but it also allows the other players to play their natural positions and, and be more, you know, Diego's playing in an area, you know, he's playing as a 10 or a winger, which is more his strength. Cecilia is playing as a winger, which is more his strength. So those things have helped, but you know, it's a grind. Every team has their issues. We had ours, we had to fight through it. And, you know, unfortunately we, we are where we are. We're, we're outside looking in, but uh, it's a competitive group that I think we can compete with anyone in the league. I think we've shown that. And, and obviously um, Minnesota is going to be a great challenge and, and they themselves are in good position. Yeah, before we talk about Minnesota, Josh, um, you mentioned Cecilio Dominguez playing as a centre forward for a, a large portion of the season. Yeah. I'm assuming that that gave you the option to go a little more direct, but did it at the same time perhaps provide some some limitations? And, and you mentioned the players that you've brought in, that the likes of Jite and uh, Driussi, um, have they perhaps given you more of an avenue to work on on different things? I think that yeah, I think having you know having Cecilio play as a striker is you know. I almost apologized at times because it was, I knew he wasn't, that wasn't his ideal position, but given what we had, you know, I had John Gallagher as well. So we were limited and we, we picked up, you know, Mackenzie Gaines, who's, who's actually a guy that we can play at striker now. So, um, you know, it's Cecilio does much better when he's facing the field. He does much better playing out left where he can play in pockets. He can sit on the line. He mixes up his positioning. Having Jite gives you a real reference point. Um, he's, he's quicker than you think, certainly strong and difficult to deal with. Uh, and he's a, and he's a nine. He's, he's got goals on his mind and he knows how to go about doing that. And Sebastian Juice is, is a hot, as high level of quality as, as there is. And he is, he is, um, he, he has so much influence on the group in such a short span. It, it shows who he is as a character, his quality, his leadership, uh, on and off the field. But, you know, most of the goals that we create have some sort of contact with Sebastian and that's just what he's been able to do with us. And he makes guys around him much better. Tomas has been much better. Diego Fagunda is much better. Cecilio, um, you know, certainly uh, Musa. So, um, you know, obviously we picked those guys up later in the year, but they've been great additions and you look forward to again, having them for a proper preseason and building them into what we, we believe is a good group. And we got to make some additions in the offseason. There's no, no two ways about that. We've got to get better in, in a number of areas. You talk about having a very distinct philosophy and a style of play. And I think sometimes it's difficult to get everyone bought in when you're not getting the results that you need. How has the group's mentality yeah. been through these ups and these downs with what you want to accomplish and the way you want to play? It's a great, it's a great point. And it's what I say is it's the validation. Where's the validation for all the work that we've done. We had all those games at the beginning of the year. We played really well. 
we had a win against Colorado. We had a win against Minnesota. Um, then we didn't have as many wins as we'd like. So it's, where's that validation for all the work that we're doing? We're creating chances. We're playing well. And you hear it from people and I'm like, get tired of hearing it. We need to win games too. It's great to hear. Hey, you play really well, but you know, that, that goes a long way for the players, the fans, everybody, but um, the guy's personality and that, you know, their work and their willingness to come and compete every day has been awesome. And, and again, I think, you know, you know, it's not hard to, to play at Q2 when your fans are, are who they are. They're, they're incredible. You guys have awesome fans as well. And as players, it's, it's such a nice thing to have. It's not like that everywhere in the league. As we know, I've been in this league a long time and, you know, to have that fan base and support is, is, is incredible. We have a way that we want to play and the guys understand what that looks like. They understand their roles within that. Um, you do need the validation of winning games and, you know, we beat LA, we beat Salt Lake. We've played very good, you know, collective soccer and, and, and pretty disciplined. And, and those are the things that we've really focused on over the last month or six weeks. And, um, you know, obviously you can't win every game, but, you know, at home, we, we try to do anything and everything we can. These fans deserve it. And, um, you know, it's a great place to play, as, as, as you guys may see. If you, if you come here, or you'll at least see it on TV. Yeah. Talk to us a little more about the stadium, Q2 Stadium, Josh. It, it looks incredible. The environment looks wonderful. Yeah. I, I, again, I've mentioned being in this league as long, you know, since 98. And these, these training centers and these stadiums, you know, like the one that you guys have there with Allianz and, and certainly the one we have with Q2, modern stadiums with – you know, for us, what I say is, you know, it has the Austin personality all the way through it. And from the texture to the food to to just about everything inside the stadium, the roof, obviously dealing with the elements. But um, it's it's energy and it's electric. And, um, you know, fans make this game what it is in this country right now. The game day experience is what transcended this sport in this country. I have no doubt about it. And now we've introduced much more talent. There's more thirst from ownership to spend. And, and you see it just as you guys, you have playmaker like Reynoso and that those types of players, Sebastian Busey, you know, combined with the other elements that this league has become is, is a game changer. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great place to play. And again, what's lacked the most is we haven't won enough games. So hopefully you guys can come here and enjoy it. We'll get our win and allow you guys to enjoy the stadium as well. <laughs> Oh, nice, nice little add in there, but we'll see. We, we won't be traveling this year, but hopefully next year we'll be, right. we'll be able to see Austin Stadium or QC Stadium, excuse me. And, and you said it a few times now, you've been in this league a long time, but tell me something that maybe you've learned as a head coach of an MLS team that maybe you weren't expecting or something that's different that you weren't expecting in this moment. Um, that I've learned. I mean, again, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of communication that goes into this and you got to lean hard on your staff because, you know, uh, I have my ideas and delivering those ideas to the staff and getting them to understand what we wanted to be, how we want our culture to work. The environment's really important and the way we play is really important. Um, delegating responsibility, communication, those things are huge, huge to players, to staff, to fans, to ownership. So I think there's a lot of different buckets that you have to manage as, as a head coach. And, um, you know, I talk with our owner all the time. He's like, look, you gotta, you gotta macro manage. You gotta help, you know, you, you, you have to oversee a lot of things. You can't try to do everything. And it's, it's true, but I've tried to do a lot of things. And because this matters to me, uh, I have a real responsibility to, to Anthony and I love our, our organization. I've sat around these guys for 18 months as we built this thing out, we sold season tickets and um, you know, it's, it, you know, there is a, a responsibility and a loyalty for me to, to provide that to them. But that, those are things I think that I, that I take away in game management. Of course, there's always going to be decision-making along the way that, that you can reflect and review on, which, which we've done as well. But 
Um, you know, I, I have certain things that I came in with expectation. I think we're spot on, but it's challenging. Being a head coach is um, it, it's not easy, but it's it's awesome. I wouldn't change it for the world. All the struggles that we have, it's the best. It's the best gig in life. It really is. Adrian Heath has echoed similar statements before. Josh saying that he loves being a head coach. Well, what have you made of his side this season? What what have Minnesota United done this year that perhaps you didn't expect, or that they perhaps that you did expect? Yeah, again, I think they're a practical group. I think they're an experienced group. They also don't have a net, you know, playing with load as a striker at times. It's not a natural striker, but you start to see, again, he's a clever player. Ethan's got great movement on, you know, off the ball movement. Reynosa is, um, you know, everywhere. He's There's like three of them out there. So he's out wide. He's low building up. He's between lines. Um, you know, his ability to deliver final passes, but those final passes aren't anything if you don't have guys like Lode and Ethan and certain Fragapane moving. And and that's, you can see those things, both fullbacks, very good in getting in the attack, athletic, um, and, and again, very well balanced set pieces, both for and against, they're extremely buttoned up and it'll be a great, cha- a great challenge for us. We know, you know, we know they're coming off a game where they feel like they let some points get away. They're going to come in full of um, you know, certainly intensity. And, and I know Adrian will get them wound up and they'll be ready to compete. And we got to match that. That's part of, you know, our growth is matching intensity, understanding you got you to fight your way into matches at times. And, you know, it'll be no different against Minnesota. They'll come to play, but they'll also come with intensity. And, um, you know, I got a lot of respect for Adrian and, and certainly the way that Minnesota plays. How have you managed this international break? And, and is it a hindrance or a benefit that you had the break when it came? Because you're coming off the two wins at home against Salt Lake and, of course, yeah. LA Galaxy. Then you have this break. Do you feel like that was the wrong time to have a break or was it good for everybody to refresh? Yeah, it was. These are some of the things that I've learned. And in, in, <laughs> as the cook, we had the Sunday night game, Wednesday game, Saturday afternoon. So we needed the break. Did it need to be 12, 13 days? Probably not. Um, you like to get those home wins. You like to maintain a rhythm. You guys now have a game. There's a rhythm. So, you know, those are the things you really worry about when you come off of a break. Does the team now get back up to speed? Are you up to speed with with what the opponent's going to have? Because, um, you know, you, you've been you, you haven't had a real game in two weeks. But, you know, that's what I'm harping on our guys to understand. You, you got to start this game fast. It's going to come at you quick. And, um, you know, we don't we don't want to, you know, we don't want to come into the space and, and not be ready for what Minnesota's already been doing and, and having a game last week. So that's, that's the nerviness that I have, but we we've talked about that a little bit. Um, it's good to get breaks. We only have one international player. Um, John was gone. Kolmanich, and he, he's been back. He was training with us today. So, um, but it's good to get, it's good to be able to work on some more details and, and fine tune things on both sides of the ball. And we spent last week probably doing a bit more of that. Um, because we had the, the obviously the nothing on the weekend, and and now you prepare as, as normal for a week as much as you can, and start reining in who we what we want to do, and, and obviously what the opponent's about. Josh, we've spoken about different types of ways of approaching certain situations. I'm I'm interested to to learn how you approach this sort of situation when you work with somebody like Matt Beasley, who you know from back in the Kansas City Wizards yeah. days. Uh, obviously, you brought him in for an abundance of different reasons, quality, leadership, and all of the above. But but how, and, and I, I know a lot of time has passed since those days when you were teammates, mm-hmm. but, but how do you approach signing someone like that and going from being a player 10 years ago alongside a player like that to now the manager with this player? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I talked to him you know, like a human being. I mean, Matt's a responsible, experienced player, and you know, wants the opportunity to, to acquire a player of his quality, his leadership, his calm. And, and again, it starts with, 
the way that we want to play? What do we want our identity? What's our philosophy going to be built around? And, and, and obviously Matt's at the latter part of his career, but he still has plenty to offer. And, you know, his experience, his calm and his guidance within our locker locker room has been invaluable. We've lacked a bit of that now. He's been out for a number of weeks with his concussion. He'll continue to be in, you know, the protocol returning to play, but it's not, you know, it's no surprise to me when he was in there, we gave up 24 goals in 20 games. And since he's been gone, we gave up about 20 and, and 18. So um, it, he has an influence in a lot of way, but, you know, I talk to him and treat him with respect, but, you know, along the way, we're, we're quite candid. I, I try to say to these guys, whether you're 20, 25, 30 or 35, you have the ability to learn and there's a responsibility on my part to help guide and help teach. And that's all I am is I'm, a, you know, I'm a, I guess a glamorized teacher. I get to be, I'm a soccer coach, but I'm a teacher. And, and that's how I look at it. And Matt came with a lot of skill sets and tools, but, but I feel like I can keep helping him and, and help him get better. And as long as he wants to play, I'm here to help and, and obviously provide avenues that, that help his own individual growth. And in turn, he, he helps the guys around him. He, he's such a great guy to have on the team on the field, off the t- field. He's done a great job. Um, helping this group. I know sometimes, it, and this will be the last one for me, we'll let you get, sure. or I'll let you get back to your busy day, but what, if you had to pick a player, who would be sort of, not the MVP, but someone that you've been able to just, from a consistency standpoint, setting the tone standpoint, we just talked about Matt Beasler, but is there anybody else that you've been able to lean on quite a bit? Well, I think Diego Fagundes is someone that's been quite consistent for us. Um, he's been he's been quite healthy. He's been healthy all year. I've had him playing as a six, eight. I've had him playing as the ten between lines. He's playing as a winger coming in between. Um, and I I spent a lot of time. I played against the kid, and you know that that's also crazy. But we coached against him, and um, you know in Columbus we saw New England all the time. So I've seen him in many different roles. And he's you know he got he came in here and he got fit and strong and bought in and. And again, he's a quiet guy in the way that he 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 is in the locker room. But on the field, he has such a such a nice blend of of ball security, cleverness, um, and a real desire and willingness to score goals. And he's he's been one of our more consistent performers. And both goals and assists, he's done well. He he could have more. Um, you know, Brad Stuber's another guy that's that's been pretty consistent. We gave up some goals and build up from goalkeeper. That's part of what we do. We don't want to do that, but I think that affected him a little bit. But He's also in his first year of being a starter, and we got to manage those emotions. We got to manage those mo- the, those moments and, and grow and learn from it. So, you know, as as do I as a coach. But um, you know, those are things. Those are two guys I think that have, you know, from the outside at the beginning of the year, you weren't sure what it was going to look like, but healthy, consistent, and and really good for our group. Josh, really appreciate your time. Before we let you go, I, I can't let you go without asking you your thoughts on the recent qualification games for the United States men's national team. Obviously, you have a very good relationship with Greg Berhalter. Yeah. What have you made of the last couple of games? The goal is to qualify. And, um, you know, we live in a it's a it's a toxic world in social media. You guys, you know, I, I hear you guys. I listen to you guys. You deliver the game in the right way. It's in such a clean, professional way. That's not the case everywhere. And that's the unfortunate part of, of our job right now. The criticism and all this stuff, the noise outside is, is noise. And what Greg does a great job of is managing the circle and the people that are most important. And um, you want to win your home games. You want to grab points on the road. Performances matter, but ultimately the goal is to qualify for the World Cup. And, and they won both games at home. And, you know, it's challenging to go on the road, plain and simple. But he's um, pretty committed and practical. I mean, he's, you know, Greg's done a good job utilizing his players, changing a little bit of the philosophy, not even the philosophy, but game-wise, what you, what's going to be needed and, and certainly what the players are capable of. So, you know, those are things that are that are really important at 
the club level, but certainly the international level. And I have full expectations that they qualify. It's never going to be easy. I don't know why there's this narrative that it was ever going to be easy, that we should be going on the road and just winning games for fun. Um, it's challenging, but win at home, try to get your points on the road. It's, it's an easy formula, but yeah, it's, it's not easy to accomplish. But um, I have full confidence that, that our guys will get there in the end. Our thanks to our guest manager of Austin FC, Josh Wolf. As always, my co-analyst, Kendra D. St. Aubin, our producer, Tyson Hill, and of course, to you for listening at home. All eyes now on Saturday evening as Austin FC host Minnesota United. <laughs> <laughs>